0: Zip your with your
1: blah blah blah. Zip you lip like a padlock. And yeah. me in the back with the jack the jukebox. Yeah, will you live no. at? Just
0: turn around, boy, let me hit that. Don't be a little bitch with your chit chat. Just show me the jackass. Hello there. You
1: are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for early September 2013. My name is Tom Chick and my game of the week is
0: not a machine for pigs. And I'm Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not Machines of Loving Grace, because that's a band, but it's also not Diablo 3.
2: This is Nick Diamond, and my game of the week is not League of Legends. Suck it,
1: McMaster. It is in your sub- face! Yeah, that's right. That's the subtext of that comment. Uh, let me also ask you, uh, Nick, is your game of the week uh, World of Warcraft? No. So in his face, oh. yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's awesome, also, because, Nick, those two are also not my Games of the Week. What do you think of that, Bookmaster? I can't say the same. <laughs> we'll find <laughs> out soon enough. Uh, before we talk about our Games of the Week, um, let's... Uh, Nick, you've been busy with something uh, this past weekend that when you posted about it and you posted these great pictures of what you saw, you wrote... I actually wrote this down for reference. You wrote... Uh, it's chaos and it's awesome. That is a quote that Nick Diamond, you, you have been attributed to that, that the quote's been attributed to you in reference to, uh, PAX, the Penny Arcade Expo. Uh, on, before we started recording, you said something that made me think maybe you're having second thoughts. What's going on there?
2: Uh, so number one, I have no recollection of this event, so I, I, I don't believe that that's what I wrote. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll check the record later.
2: No, um, so when I wrote "awesome," I meant it in the causing awe or terror.
1: Uh, oh, like for instance, a... if Great Cthulhu rose from roll, yeah, you could say he is awesome.
0: Awesome. How, how, how do you awesome. pronounce that? Was that was that a plane or was that a type of cheese or what was going on there? Master, a... are you? <laughs> yeah,
1: are you calling into question my uh, my pronunciation of? of from the Lovecraft mythos, it's Cthulhu, and the the underwater city that fortunately hasn't risen is isn't it Rulie?
0: I think it's Grie.
1: McMaster, it's really cute. And you Tend to know Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> McMaster, later later on in the podcast, maybe I'll have a, a HP Lovecraft quiz for you. I'll have a I'll have a um, Madden quiz for you. <laughs> Oh Madden, yes, I, I, I will do well at it because I have seen Shakespeare in Love as well as some of his other movies, so oh, yeah. I, I think I could do that.
0: Yeah, I think you, yeah, you got this one on the lockdown.
1: <laughs> uh, so, all right, so you, 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 you used the word awesome, Nick, in reference to PAX, Penny Arcade Expo, uh, but maybe you'd like to elaborate, uh, now that you've come through several days of attending, uh, what you meant for anyone who might have thought you meant it was wonderful.
2: Yeah, so it's basically a nightmare of lines, is really what Oh, it is. yeah, okay, I see, right. Yeah, and you actually wrote
1: about some of that. Yeah, so you're, you're just talking about the throngs of people and the logistics of squeezing so many people through so many little demo stations and panels and
2: whatnot. Yeah, and if – so for those of you that aren't familiar with it, it takes place in the Washington State Convention Center, which is uh, smack dab in the middle of uh, Seattle, um, And the convention center is divided up into, like, four or five levels. Um, And at this point, it's just not large enough for PAX. It really isn't. It's to the – I mean, we got to this point a a few years ago, really. But it's to the point now where it's sprawled out. There's parts of it in other nearby buildings. Like, they have to put panels in hotel uh, Ballrooms um, when you're
1: walking around downtown Seattle at this time of year during the convention you 'll see several people with this sort of sad lost look on their face oh uh, yeah. and they're the people trying to get to a panel that's in a hotel ballroom or something that's not part of the main convention center, and they're just kind of wandering helplessly around the streets <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a
2: common sight during PAX yeah it is yeah and it's really good because they're they're so easy to pick out that the the ticket scalpers will just swarm these people. Like they can, they can see them wandering around lost. So hey, they know they've got a good twenty minutes of, you know, getting right in their face and asking, "Come on, come on, sell your tickets, sell your tickets. Come on, come on, sell your tickets, sell your tickets." Um, so that's what they get left. For. And then of course, the you know, all these guys uh, that are lost out there, they don't they don't know where anything is, so they wind up eating at like the most expensive places possible. Oh, Cheesecake Factory and uh, the uh, the Game on arcade center that serves hot dogs and pretzels or whatever. It's it's um it's just the whole area just isn't uh, big enough for packs anymore. It's really not. So they split it all up. They've got these demo areas. I think I even wrote about it. Part of Nintendo's area this year was crammed behind the escalators. So oh, right,
1: where your son got the Pokemon Yeah, uh, X you, you and y literally thing.
2: had to go behind this set of escalators and there was just you know a throng of people smashed back there trying to get at the uh Legend of Zelda and also the uh Pokemon uh exhibit. Uh upstairs uh a couple flights up was where they had the main t- Nintendo area which was showing off like Pikmin 3 and Wonderful 101. And uh, of course the Wii U, uh, and that's where they also had the demo units. A couple demo units of the 2DS, mm-hmm. um, and it was just impossible to get in there. It was just <laughs> crowded. Oh, yeah. anyway,
1: I have I have a demo unit of a 2DS, and it's called a Nintendo DS. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm I think I have sure. one of those too. Yeah, <laughs> so so if you if you missed it at Penny Arcade, just coming over to my house, I'll have to charge it up. Uh, it's in a box somewhere, but I can show you what the, the Nintendo 2DS will look like. I think uh, if you but, missed it at Pax,
2: but you have the cool one that folds. Oh, because that's the thing with the 2DS is that yeah, it doesn't fold. Doesn't right. fold up, so right. yours is even cooler. And
0: use it as like a TV dinner tray. after you flip over <laughs> as a buckler. You could strap it to your your wrist. And, <laughs>
1: Uh, well, let's talk about uh, these sort of conventions. You know, is does I feel like I'm trying to, I'm, I'm sounding trying to sound hip and not working. But do you call these cons or is that is that how the kids talk these days? Because if we talk about conventions, am I going to sound like an old fuddy-duddy if I call them conventions? Am I supposed to be calling things like like E3 and GDC and Comic Con and PAX? Am I supposed to be calling these cons? Who do you think listens to us? People way more hip than me. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it, let's talk about these in general. Uh, so, aside from logistics issues, because because Nick, boy, I, I I feel you, buddy. I I when was the last time I was at something? Uh, maybe it was last year's Penny arcade. I'm sure I've been to one since then. But I, I these throngs of people, it just I I have increasingly less patience for that sort of thing. Partly like as I get older and as I value my time and as I get less interested in a lot of the things that are showing at these cons, just those throngs of people I find insufferable. And when a convention gets really big and really crowded like that, and I don't doubt, because I remember Penny Arcade last year was bad enough, or Penny Arcade Expo, uh, I, I don't doubt that it must have been terrible. So. Apart from the logistics of being crushed by a, a bunch of strangers. And boy, I remember, Nick, you wrote about those lines to get in in the morning. Like, it, it, it's like some kind of terrible cattle shunt thing that they set up with these gates uh and you have to like sit there early in the morning to get in and oh that i just
2: remember that too i, if I never have to do another one of those that's fine with me um, well what, what the, speaking of that line that mm-hmm. that morning line what really makes it bad now is so the first couple of times i went to the penny arcade expo uh that line was just it was a line Literally, it was just a, you know, a looping line. They just had you line up and a couple of the, uh, PAX enforcers, right? They're, they're, they're kind of general purpose security usher slash, you know, tour guide people were just there and they just made sure every, you know, nothing got out of control and everybody stood in line. And then when the doors open, okay, everybody gets to go in. Uh, the past couple of years though, of course, you know, the geniuses have figured out that Oh, well, you've got people sitting here for, you know, up to two and a half, three hours. Let's go ahead and blast some ads at them. Oh! So so the whole time you're there, I mean, and I'm not exaggerating, the whole time you're standing in that line, it is Mountain Dew, Doritos, and Xbox One in your face. And there's a guy on a PA system just screaming at everyone. (laughs) You know, I have to say, Nick, it makes
1: sense. If I was trying to sell any of those three things, uh, I think I would go for that.
2: Yeah, nobody's leaving, right? No, nobody's walking <laughs> right. away. Yeah, what this are you going to do?
1: Yeah, what are you going to not listen? Bring earplugs, right? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I I wonder too how much of it is the. Uh, I don't want perpetu- to any, perpetuate any gamer stereotypes, but I have been in situations where I don't mind long waits in crowded lines and I'm specifically thinking of certain film festivals because at a film festival uh, you tend to be and uh, for me it's Sundance uh, in Utah, you tend to be in lines with people who are really excited about seeing a movie and who've also been there several days seen several different movies and the kind of person who does that is the kind of person who can have this in-depth discussion about movies that movie wonks like me love so I, I never minded waiting for three hours to see a movie at Sundance because of the types of people you meet and the general atmosphere. Uh, I can't say that I've really replicated that experience in crowded lines at, at gamer conventions
2: or comic cons. And maybe that's just me. Um, well, first, um, check out the beret on Tom. Uh, second, <laughs> always. <laughs> second... Uh, yeah, you're right. At, at least at Penny Arcade Expo, all you get is, uh, everybody is just, you know, nose deep in their yeah. 3DSs or their uh, iPhones or whatever. That, that's really all. There was no talking, no discussion. Nobody's, nobody's out. Hey, man, you excited to see the new blah, blah, blah. Da? No, it's just people sitting there playing on their little handheld games. <laughs> and, and that's too where, again, I don't want to perpetuate these, these, you know, Gamer
1: stereotype things, but I do wonder if there's a if there's if you're more likely to find more socially insulated people or not insulated insular people who uh, just kind of stick to a smaller group. If you go to something like Penny Arcade or Comic Con, and and you know what, I, I maybe Comic Con is different because that's a wider culture. But uh, anyway, I that that's a gross stereotype, and I'm sorry I even mentioned it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so so let's assume logistics aside. Um, that everything, you got to see as much stuff as you want. You didn't have to stand around. You didn't have to have other people like whining or worrying about, us. Uh, is, is my wife bored yet? Logistics aside and all that stuff, uh, it's awesome in the sense that you saw great stuff and you enjoyed it, right? Uh,
2: let's go 50-50 <laughs> on that one. <laughs> okay, okay.
1: What were some of the drawbacks? Because your, your write-ups were, for the most part, pretty enthusiastic, it seemed.
2: Yeah, I there were certain um game demos and displays that were uh interesting. The people presenting them uh if you know, not possibly as well informed as a developer would have been, they you know, they at least knew enough about the game or they had had enough exp- you know, they were briefed enough to talk a little bit about it. Um and then they, the games themselves were you know, obviously, they're all made of little vertical slices, right? Everybody prepares these little demos, bits for whatever GDC games gone packs, all these other different things. Um, so they're, you know, some of them are interesting, and so they can, you know, you can be engaged while you're you're standing there playing it, and you can talk to the guy that's presenting it or whatever. Uh, but then there are a lot of them that. So first off, I, I'd say a good. 50% of the things at PAX um, are non-playable demos. You just get to watch somebody else do it. Uh, y- like, everything Ubisoft that was there was just uh, you watching a screen while somebody told you what was going on.
0: We'll come to E3.
2: Yeah. So it's not, you know, not super fun, Um some of it can be interesting, but it 's you know certainly not engaging you 're just kind of standing there watching okay great i 'm glad I waited two hours in line for this <laughs> um, and then of course, there are just there are you know because it's a it's a lot of these demo slices are you know kind of hastily put together and rushed out uh, there are lots of times where you're playing a demo and you'll do something that you probably weren't supposed to do or they weren't prepared for you to do. So the presenter or whoever has to kind of step in and, you know, sort of guide you to, to what you were supposed to be. Oh, yeah. Um so you probably shouldn't have shot that guy. So what you? Uh, yeah, give yeah, me that. Give me you those controls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, here, let up? me
1: just take that. Let me take that from you. Here, I'll fix this. Okay. And next time you play, yeah, don't go over there. Don't shoot that. Yeah, here. Okay, here's the controller. Now do it right this time.
2: Yeah, there there is uh, there is a lot of that. <laughs> now, McMaster, uh, you
1: uh, are a veteran of various E3s. How does what Nick is describing compare to what to what your experiences have been at E3?
0: I mean, well, a lot of yeah, I mean, a lot of it's similar. I mean, then again, you know, when we go, we get the press patches, and they don't usually make you stand in line. So there is that little chestnut. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a whole lot of guided demos at E3. I mean, and you get to play stuff, but you get to play it for like a handful of minutes at a time. It's not really that entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and it's all uh, for what. I'm I'm a terrible uh, test case for this because I look at that stuff and all I see is people trying to sell games. They want they want to get me hyped on a game and then therefore well, you know if I'm press I'll talk about it. If I'm someone at PAX I'll post about it on Facebook or whatever. It's it's people trying to use me to sell their games and trying to create this glossy favorable impression of the game uh nick you called it a vertical slice these demos uh, i think of it more as a sliver uh, <laughs> like, and, and such a carefully engineered sliver yeah. uh and it and it's used to create an approximation of either the gameplay or a feeling or just a general tone and while i respect that as the kind of guy who doesn't watch movie trailers uh, and that applies sometimes to my experience with games. I would just like to come in naked, not knowing anything, and experience the game as the people who created it meant it to be experienced, rather than the, as the people who are publishing it want it to be portrayed to, to boost sales. Uh, I just increasingly resent these little demos and have no desire, I resent a strong word, it's just I have no desire to, to participate in that. I don't want to watch people do it, because a lot of this, too, is meant to be, Put online and streaming video. Oh, oh yeah, um, big time. So, so for for me, I just don't want any any part of that. You know, like, like that. Nick, you mentioned the tablet gimmick with watchdogs. That to me just has bullet point written all over it. That someone <laughs> at Ubisoft was like, "Let's get them talking about the tablet integration." And I don't I don't need to hear that. If it comes out and it's got this cool tablet option, I would love to know about it. Um, but I just feel like that's something that Ubisoft really wanted people to to walk away and talk about and i'm not faulting you by the way nick because it is a cool point it's it's noteworthy but i i just feel like they engineered something to get people to talk about it and all those people waiting in line they're basically trading their time to help people like ubisoft or activision or whomever market their games uh and that's just a cynical old asshole in me
2: no yeah no absolutely you're right you're i mean you know, what is somebody going to do? They're going to wait two hours in line, go watch the uh, Watch Dogs demo, and then not talk about it or write about it. <laughs>
0: right. right. Um, oh, well, yeah, that's, that's why I don't go to E3 anymore, because that's what I do. I go watch the demos and don't talk about them. I and also, uh, Rick Vassar, I just in case
1: folks on the podcast haven't heard, uh, tell us about your last E3 experience and your, your intimacy with a particular garbage can. Oh, nice.
0: I knew it. Um, well... Uh, what was it? It wasn't this year. It was last year's E3. I came out to cover for Game Shark, and then ended up covering for No High Scores because Game Shark kind of got rid of all of us. And um, <clears throat> I uh, I was staying with Tom, and the first day I go in and I'm not feeling that well. Um, and, uh, long story short, I managed to uh, I go to several demos. And uh, after one that was not on the show floor, it was kind of off uh, in the meeting room, I decided to sit down and rest and uh, and started getting really nauseous. And I ran uh, and threw up into the side of a garbage can because it, the top wasn't open. So it was one of those you had to, it, I had to stick to the side <laughs> of it. And uh, the door to Future Media was open, and I swear to God, I heard someone go, Nice! Um <laughs> Now, they could have just been reacting to, say, a canned demo that they were watching. Probably not. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so that was my last E3 experience. So basically, McMaster, E3 made you hurl. Oh, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, (laughs) Yeah, the uh, whole E3 experience for the last few years hadn't been as magical as the first few. Now, one of, the, one of the advantages
1: you can get, one of the experiences that I think can be valuable at something like E3 or PAX, and that I'd like to hear you talk a bit about, Nick, uh, you got hands-on time with uh, at least the new PS4 controller. Is the is the is the Xbox One controller any different,
2: or it's the same thing? Uh, it is different. It's it is uh, it, it feels thicker and a little wider. That's what and... she said. Yeah. Did I, do it right?
1: Did I? I don't know if I got that right. I might have screwed up the intonation. Uh, sorry, I couldn't
2: resist. Um, uh, and they got rid of, uh, the, if you use the, uh, you know, wireless controller, right. uh, on your 360, they got rid of that battery bump on the bottom, the infamous battery bump that apparently bothers some people.
1: Oh, why do people have a problem with that? That's where the batteries
2: go. Yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have so no idea. <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah, it seems like a weird complaint. I, I don't know. Um, it, honestly it, it felt like the 360 controller maybe is slightly heavier it, it was hard to tell because uh it, you know they were all connected to that little lanyard thing that they the don't you know. the
1: don't steal me lanyard. Yeah, please
2: don't steal me <laughs> right
1: uh but it, but in a way i think a lot of us kind of feel that the 360 controller uh ain't broke um but uh some people feel
2: differently about the ps3 controller and i imagine that's where the greatest difference was right yes huge difference um again uh, much wider uh the angles on the the i guess you'd call them the handles on the controller uh now they're like farther apart and the angles are wider so it just fits a little more comfortably i think in your hands Mm-hmm. Um the buttons, the the little jewel buttons or whatever, I I don't think they call them the jewel buttons, do they, for the PlayStation.
1: Yeah, I've never heard them called that, but if you say so. <laughs> I don't know what yeah.
2: they're called. I, I know the the, the three sixty, they pushed that like like really uh well early on. They were like, Oh, they're called jewel buttons, jewel buttons, jewel buttons, so alright, whatever. Do you have um,
1: a PS three, Nick, by the way?
2: I do not. Do you have a PS
1: two? Uh did, yes. Okay, I'm going to give you a quiz real quick. I'm going to give you four shapes. You tell me where, if it was a clock face, the buttons were a clock face, where they're located. Are you ready?
2: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) No, Nick, this is important because you might have to –
1: if you're like playing God of War and a quick time event comes up, what are you going to do? So here we go. It's a quick time event. Uh, A titan is about to step on – or what's his name? Kratos is about to step on him. And Nick, I need you to mash the circle button. Where on the
2: clock face is it? Quick! Uh, okay, it's on the underside. What? Did you just reach under the controller looking for the circle button? Yeah, it's on the underside. Yeah, oh.
1: you just got you just got mushed by a titan. Now Girl, gonna, that's uh, not uh, fair.
2: The the PS4 controller has a touchpad on the underside.
1: Yeah, sorry. You just you're gonna have to reload and replay again. So here we uh. go. Here comes the titan. Now that you've looked at the circle button and you realize it's on the nine o'clock position or the three o'clock position McMaster help. <laughs> it's Not three o'clock three o'clock no it's the nine o'clock is the three o'clock the x no no oh, it's the square. Oh, God. S- square is it okay i'm gonna do one that i know for sure okay sure Nick it's the square here you go here you go nick the, the titan is about to step on Corona- kratos you have to press you're ready with a circle but oh they threw you a curve now you have to press the triangle
2: where on a clock face is the triangle button Actually, oh God! Uh, uh, near the shoulder. It's, it's in between the shoulder buttons.
1: Yeah. Once again, you're going to have to replay this over and over until you uh, learn <laughs> that the triangle is at the twelve o'clock position. <laughs> oh, wow,
2: <laughs> I love that. Oh. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, all right. So at any
1: rate, uh, you did like uh, the uh, PS4 controller.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I did. I the uh, so the biggest and simplest difference. Is that they have finally put uh, indents on the analog sticks.
1: Rather than being the convex rather than being a curved surface that your thumb can just slide around slide on.
2: Slide off of, yep. Right. Yes, that is that is the biggest difference. Obviously Sony would want me to talk about the awesome touchpad and blah 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 blah, but you you did. They, they I they, I, they, did. I did. I did kind of pop up, it. didn't I? Yeah, well yeah. here, I'll throw them a curve. I'll throw them the curve this time. I'll yeah. talk about the stupid blue light on the front that does nothing now. How's that?
1: Oh, come on. It did you can you can find the keyhole if you're trying to get into the house late at night.
2: <laughs> you can
1: uh you can ask... It might flash red if you're low on health and you can yeah, have... Yeah, Master. McMaster will sit in front of the TV facing you. <laughs> look at yeah, you're flashing that's... red. Yeah, and he'll
2: let you know when that's happening. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I honestly have to shake my head at that. It's the dumbest <laughs> explanation for that you thing. You could probably
0: hook it up to, like, some sort of blood pressure cuff that maybe had infrared on it and then you could have it just tighten like hell whenever you're really uh, low you put it around your neck <laughs>
1: Here's what I'm gonna do. You guys, you guys both have failures of imagination. You definitely don't have the minds of an engineer like me. I'm gonna buy one of those little dental mirrors that's on like a, a, a metal stick, a post that has a little tiny round mirror and I'm gonna strap it to the bottom of the controller so that the mirror beams the blue light up at me and I can see when it's different colors. See? Yeah, that's awesome. Mmm, oh, okay. Uh, nobody steal that. I'm gonna patent that I'm gonna sell <laughs> it online. It's gonna be called the chick attachment, and it will only be a few dollars. The so don't steal my idea. That's right. I'm, tra- I'm trademarking that, McMaster. Don't even <laughs> steal like it. Like the born identity. The the chick attachment? <laughs> I might have to I might have to do some reprint before we launch. <laughs> That's oh. what she said. Hey oh. Uh, Alright, Nick, here's another task I have for you sell me on titanfall
2: i cannot sell you on titanfall Come i on. will however yeah. i will however sell you on the fact that titanfall's vertical sliver as you call it mm-hmm. was probably the most polished of mm-hmm. any of them okay at pax and that's that's, almost, that's one of the advantages,
1: I think, of a multiplayer game like that. A multiplayer arena shooter is when you're relying on the other players to provide the challenge, the fun, the experience. If you get all that set up and polished well enough, I'm assuming people got a good look at what Titanfall is going to be like.
2: Yes. Right. Not only that, but there was, a, there was like a seven or six minute introductory video that went with it. What? Like they, like you went over to the station, right? And before you even got to play, there was a video that everybody watched. It was the same video, and it just went through the whole. This is Titanfall. You'll be choosing between three different Titans. Your Ugh. mix can be out. Blah 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 blah. I mean, it, it was you know awful. Is there, if you okay, is, is there any <laughs> is there any backstory in there, or it's just telling me how to play? Uh, a tiny 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 bit of backstory. But, you know, I, I mean we're talking you know it's the future and pilots are the new soldiers like that that's kind enough
1: of. stop yeah that's enough backstory no, right. for me i don't, I don't need no,
2: any more the kill them
1: <laughs> yeah, i don't even want to know what they're called what planet they're from I'm, i don't need any of that uh so actually that's kind of helpful then because if you want to, people to because so often i try to introduce some of my friends to some kind of shooter like even something like payday that has some things they need to know like you know what, you have to decide, do you want the ammo kit or the medical kit? And they've already lost interest before I can get like 10 words out of my mouth. They just want to yeah. get in there and shoot things. So that can be valuable in terms of helping create the experience for multiple people to force them to sit through a seven-minute spiel.
2: Yeah. Well, and I mean, the good the, I, I will say the best thing about it was that the uh, game attendance in that area said nothing. Basically, they did just thought, okay, go sit down, there you go. And that was it. There was no, you know, oh, let me, let me show you this. Okay. So, you know, you got to press X, right? Just kind of letting the demo speak for itself. Yep. Just let the demo speak to yourself. Uh, you played through one match, uh, which took about eh, another six or seven minutes. It was pretty quick. Um, and then it was done. It was, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you know, when I say it was, it was a polished slice or sliver, whatever you want to call it, it was, uh, it was pretty good.
1: Now, here's what uh, – you won't see any of this at E3, but here's what I enjoy most at, at these conventions. Uh, they have some of that at PAX. Uh, where I enjoy it most is at GDC, the Game Developers Convention. Uh, panels. I love panels for the most part. Now, a lot of consumer-oriented panels, like, hey, here's – again, just selling stuff. You know, here's what we're going to do. Look at this trailer. Um but panels where there's more in-depth conversations, I really enjoy, and I know Penny Arcade has some stuff like that. Uh, did you get to see any of those, Nick? Uh,
2: yeah. So the the one, uh, and I think I mentioned it, was the it, it was sort of the uh, different de- developers that work on uh, MOBA games talking about, uh, you know, what stage of the industry they believe you know we're in for mobas. And, you know, why some MOBAs, you know, just come out and immediately fail. And, you know, basically just comes down to, okay, you guys are just copying Dota or League of Legends or, you know, take your pick of the three major guys. And so that's why you're failing. Why would anybody play your free-to-play game versus the free-to-play game that has, you know, 20 million people already playing it?
1: I have two words. Fat Joker.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, right. <laughs> so, so that's the—is uh, that Monolith? Who's doing that Gaslight Batman? No, no. Uh, remember,
2: Turbine is the one doing the D- the DC, and Monolith is the one doing the Lord of the Rings.
1: Oh, what's the DC one called with Fat Joker and Vampire uh, Batman?
2: Uh, Infinite Crisis.
1: Yes. Okay. Right. I <laughs> uh, I pulled that one right out of my hat. Very Comic good. nerd please I wish <laughs> uh, so, uh, so 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 the, there was that panel uh, what about have you guys uh, ever experienced any other panels that were really notable for you because I when I think back to my favorite GDC's the stuff that I remember most are are things like listening to one of the developers at Bungie talk about tuning the different guns in Halo for instance or listening to one of the developers, from way back when at Looking Glass, talking about how to build a level based on stealth gameplay. Um, I, I love that kind of stuff, uh, and that's invaluable, I, f- I feel. Uh, you, you can't really, I mean, I guess you could watch that online, but there's really something exciting about being in the same room with somebody doing that, giving that talk, and furthermore, being able to ask questions afterwards. Uh, I love that. Uh, have you guys experienced any notable panels that really stood out
0: for you at a convention? Uh, you know, I've never really been to many. I've only gone to like gaming cons and E3. I yeah, really made it to many the others. Uh, at, at a GDC, I once
1: sat in an auditorium full of, I uh, must have been three 400 people, uh, and Clint Hawking was up there. He I think most folks would probably know him as the, the, the fellow behind Far Cry 2. Uh, he was at LucasArts for a while. Um, but he was up there giving a talk, and I remember sitting in there listening to it and looking around the crowd and thinking, as I was listening, I, I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> <Just> looking <laughs> around the crowd and realizing that probably in this room there were only like five percent of the people who were smart enough to follow Clint Hawking and and be painfully aware that I was not one of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I love panels. I I, I love. Uh, And those are, of course, also, as I mentioned, often used for sales or or building hype, but I would much rather be in in that kind of situation than uh, jostling for a a game demo. Uh, Nick, do you know, when I was at PAX before, and this may not be your bag, but one of the things I really enjoyed was their board gaming library, where you could just go in and there were tables stacked full of board games, and you could give them your driver's license and check out a board game and then take it into another big room and just hang out and play a board game with some of your friends. And they would have some board gaming tournaments. Um, do they? Do you know if that was still a part of PAX?
2: Uh, that was. They do still have that. Um, it was uh, a much smaller room than last year. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite as crowded as I remember it. Uh, from last year and um, the, the games that they had I think eh, they were probably the same ones. I, I, I don't remember uh, and I just did a quick eye scan of the you know the, the setup they had. I don't think I remember any new ones so
1: they're there also I, one of the things I appreciated about that is the inherent social interaction of running some of the tournaments. Uh, they would have tournaments for games. I remember the one that was really crowded, and I can't believe it because it's a miserable game. Uh, the one that was really crowded was Ticket to Ride. Uh, there were just lots of people showing up to do a freaking ticket to, r- ticket to Ride tournament.
2: Oh, my gosh. You're going to have so many Ticket to Ride nerds <laughs> angry at That's right. you on this. Send your
1: angry email <laughs> to me
0: at jasonmcmaster
1: at com.
2: Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, go ahead and send it to that address. That's great. <laughs> Wait, JV McMaster? What is it? Yeah, tweet me oh. at McMaster. <laughs> oh.
1: uh, but I, I, what I love about that though is just this the the forced social interaction of making you sit down, especially with the tournaments, with three, four, five other people, and have a tabletop board gaming experience. Um, I, I, I just liked that. I enjoyed that quite a bit. I was I was very quickly drummed out of my small world tournament. I didn't make much progress, but what I did experience, I, I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, and I loved sitting around watching some of those, and and just sitting watching some of my friends play some of those.
0: Yeah, after you got drummed out, they were like, "Why don't you go to the Ticket to Ride tournament? I hear it's pretty cool." <laughs> they love you over there. Go tell them how awesome, awesome their game is. Yeah.
1: Spigot, why don't you go over there and critique Ticket to Ride? Why don't you go over there and tell, tell them how many stars you'd give it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the cosplaying. Um, oh, yeah. Let's, uh, yeah, that's what is there to be said about cosplaying. So how much of that was was in evidence this year, Nick? Did you see a bunch of that? And and what seemed to be a popular costume?
2: Uh, anything that looked like a bikini, but with the metal on it. What character is that? I don't know. I don't even know. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> Action Feel RPG
1: female character number thirty-two. Yeah. All right. Metal Gear Solid Five. Ah, yeah. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I I I don't bear any. I don't hold a grudge. Like I I bless anyone's heart who wants to come out to one of these things wearing a costume. Um. These are, are, after all, people who enjoy imaginative fantasy worlds and let your freak flag fly if you want. Uh, but I just I, – I, I find it really amusing and kind of endearing. Uh, I was at Toronto recently for an Ubisoft thing. I was talking to one of their employees up there, and he just seemed like a normal dude. Uh, and he was. I'm not meaning to imply he wasn't a normal dude. But in the in the course of talking to him, he revealed unabashedly that he was a Captain America cosplayer. And to look at this dude, you never would have guessed that about him. He looks nothing like Chris Evans. Not an insult. Most of us don't. Uh, but this fellow, this fellow was very proud of the fact that he was a bona fide Captain America cosplayer. He would do parties and stuff. And he was also – he talked a lot about – the, what it took to get his suit together. And he was especially proud of the fact that he had to pay like $500 at this automotive bodywork place to get them to detail his Captain America shield. Um, and he just had no shame. And it was really endearing talking about this. Uh, and he was just so gleefully proud of being a Captain America cosplayer. Uh, I loved that. So here we go. Then let's go around the table. If we were to cosplay, you guys both have to, McMaster. Next year, we're going to Penny Arcade, uh, the expo. You have to cosplay. Nick, I don't care what kind of guff you get from your teenage children. You have to cosplay as well. What could you guys pull off as cosplayers? And here you go. I'm going to go first. I think the only thing that I could manage, and even this would be a stretch, but the best I would be able to pull off, uh, Agent Coulson from from the Avengers and the the ABC TV show coming up. I think that right there, that that's about as close as I could come to cosplaying without looking completely ridiculous.
2: So, so wait, back up. So you would just wear a suit? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, kind but
1: of I would, a total rip off. What are you talking about? I'd have a name tag or something. Like, doesn't he have to oh, wear a security
0: fair enough? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and every I'm now going as video gaming personality Jason McMaster. That's who <laughs> I'm going <laughs> as. If you're going as Agent Pulse. <laughs> wait, what comic book is that from, McMaster? awesome one actually what? i am in a comic book so Damn. so red there eye, is a comic eye. book yes red eye black
1: eye red. and there's a character game. that's based on you so that's kind of it a is me <laughs> so yes there's the dang one. yeah i think you've got me trumped there well oh, done, that man. is the trump right? That's a perfect <laughs> bet. all right nick you've got it you've got to come up with a costume for the for our cosplay at penny
2: arcade expo next year what do you got uh no contest ghostbuster
1: Oh, you yeah, know what, Janet? I was- I, here, here's how my brain just misfires constantly. You said that, and I immediately was thinking, "How are you going to set your head on fire?"
0: <laughs> oh my god! I yeah, just I first word, and I
1: thought I knew where he was going, so I ignored the second word, and yeah, just thought Ghost Rider. So a Ghostbuster. All right. So the the silver jumpsuit, a big old pack on your back. Uh,
0: all right. I can. Uh, I would go as Akroy. Hey, back the up, silver jumpsuit. Yeah, I don't silver. Know what- Silver. Isn't it like a silver jumpsuit? No, I don't know. It's it's, a... No. What <laughs> color we... do Ghostbusters Where? What's <laughs> the <laughs> official color of the Ghostbusters uniform? Brown. Just like a standard brown jumpsuit with some patches on it. What is, what is wrong with you? No, it's I think like
2: it's an like old plumber's jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they upgraded to something like Space Agey. Oh, man. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, see, that's, this is why I don't cosplay.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> gray, it's grayish, like gray-ish and brownish. Yeah. Yeah, I would show up with some really expensive, like, spacesuit that I bought, and people would be like, what are you, an astronaut? And I'd be like, no, I'm a Ghostbuster. And <laughs> I would explain the Ghostbusters have brown suits.
2: And they, they would just shake their heads. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, all right, so let's see. Uh, anything else that I missed? Like, uh, great con experiences you guys have had?
0: Uh, has my, any- favorite, just- my favorite con experience is going to the Activision booth with Tom. That that <laughs> pretty much sums up all of my Great Con experience.
1: Remember was. when you threw up at E three? Let's go back to that.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's go back. What, what, what's what the, the division? Yeah. Um. That was the what? What wasn't there? There was Tom throwing his trash in the drink barrel. There was because it looks like a garbage
1: can unless, <laughs> unless you look down in it and you see a bunch of ice and soft drinks. You are going to think. Oh, <laughs> Trash, and you're going to throw your unwanted plate of like salad and and lunch that. meat <laughs> and chips. You're just going to chuck it in there, and then the exasperated Activision employee is going to come over and pull it out and and shoot daggers at you with his eyes. And go, this is not a trash can. <laughs> all right, that's, that's, actually, he actually did shot verbal daggers at me as well. But yeah. it looks like a trash can. It's not my fault. They don't know how to present
0: iced drinks. You know, I can't. That's not on me. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, and uh, the whole idea was great though it's fun watching one of those movies with Tom because he's not joking he is uh he is not into the, the guided demo
1: <laughs> I do enjoy watching what things people write in the jokes
0: like, yeah Tom laughing through the demo usually
1: <laughs> because McMaster has written something like uh uh 20 guns. <laughs> It's like when they'll, they'll hit their bullet points. They <laughs> just, uh, or when they say, okay, this is a level in New York City where it's under attack and you arrive in a submarine. And McMaster writes in his notes, New York.
0: <laughs> you notice how, how I was into taking very detailed notes. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, we're gonna have to go to
0: another E3, McMaster. I miss those times. <laughs> they are a good time. Uh, the best thing about E3 is, uh, is the people. <laughs> Well, and that also came through reading some
1: of Nick's stuff. Because Nick, I gotta say, I gotta hand it to, especially your son, for his spoiler averse attitude towards the XCOM add-on. Uh, I, I just love that about your son. He's headed in the right direction. <laughs> you've, you've obviously done some
2: wonderful parenting with him. Uh, but he it was didn't also. Don't know anything. He didn't want to know anything about it. He's like, I don't know what. No, I don't. Go away bless his heart because I really
1: feel and this I you know I've said this before and I'll say it a million more times the time to talk about games is during and after the fact not before I mean I just yeah. really feel that's when you have interesting conversations about games that's when you should be talking about them that's when you have relevant things to say yeah during and after the fact not before uh also, I loved your wife's perspective on uh, uh, Bethesda's Skyrim Online. Is you know she obviously liked Skyrim, but she has it seemed like she had this wonderful. Why would I want to play it as an MMO? Uh, like I, I I can't help but wonder how many casual Skyrim players who just enjoy the offline single player kind of boundlessness of it would. Be completely out of their depth, or feel that the 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 magic of Skyrim was undermined once they find themselves in just another MMO.
2: Yeah, she's. And by the way, I should mention she's literally playing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, your wife is awesome, Nick. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's never she's never actually played an MMO, and I think just the concept of you know the MMOs, you know trappings and the the tropes that come with an MMO. Um, they, you know, it's just befuddling, really. <laughs> I uh,
0: you know I really like Bethesda and I want this to work out well, but it just so takes away the magic. I don't know the whole because MMOs are so strict. Uh, well, they also have to be strict. Yep, and they'll they'll also
1: eat into League of Legends time.
0: Yeah. No, that's
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so there we go. Uh, that's our con talk. Uh, let's now get to, speaking of talking about games during and after the fact, let's talk about some of our games of the week. Um, Nick, I know you've been you've had a lot of stuff going on. It was awesome that you got time to go to Penny Arcade. Uh, you probably haven't
2: been able to play many games lately, have you? Do you how could you possibly have a game of the week? Uh, b- well, I picked a game that didn't take very long to play.
1: Like like Bejeweled. No. <laughs> Longer That's, than Bejeweled, okay. M-
2: maybe not quite that short. Uh the back so of I, the played, <laughs> I uh I played uh The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing. Huh. I see.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Uh, what position, so obviously you just wanted uh, a quick action RPG fix, and for whatever reason you didn't feel like playing Marvel Heroes or Diablo 3, so Incredible, or Crater, uh, Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing. How did how'd that work for you? What did you think of it?
2: Uh, the, the developers definitely mean well, and I think they poured a lot of their heart into it, uh, but it's got a ton of jank. Jank! I like that. Define jank. Explain Explain
1: for us. What, is, what does that mean when you say it's got a ton of jank?
2: So it's, it's, it's just a little rough around the edges. Things don't quite uh, jibe together. Like, some of the gameplay mechanics don't quite work together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it certainly shows some of its low-budget roots. Um, you will fight the same five or six monsters for the whole... Uh, game. It's only got one boss fight, really. Uh, and, uh, you know, spoiler alert, but there, there literally isn't much of an ending to the game. It's it, it, you, You fight the boss and then you get a, I guess, five-second cinematic where another maybe boss <laughs> says, I'll get you and then it ends.
1: <laughs> Nick, why would you why would you play a game with so much jank
2: all the way through to the end? Uh, so the one thing I I really do think it had going for it, I really liked the setting. Okay.
1: And the setting definitely gets better the longer you play, by the way. I yeah, feel the it, later setting stuff was way better than the early stuff.
2: Yeah, and it's, you know, for for anyone who doesn't know, so it's, it's kind of set in a, you know, semi-steampunky um you know very early like dracula type era uh made up eastern european country Mm -hmm. um i think it's borgovia is the name of it um and it's (laughs) you know it's just it's kind of it's different from any other arpg that i've played as far as that goes um you know, normally you just get the normal, you know, swords and sorcerers, or you, or, you know, in the case of something like Space Siege or a couple of the others, you get, you know, you're fighting on a derelict ship or, you know, an alien planet or whatever, but it doesn't change much. Um, this one definitely, you know, has its own character.
1: Mm hmm. I, I, for.
2: So we're going to talk about action
1: RPGs next week and specifically Diablo 3, so I won't get too much into this. But for me, there's this intangible and it's hard to to articulate uh, and a lot of it is personal. Um, but the the feel of the combat in an RPG is either gonna hook me early on or it's not. And if it hooks me early on, I can find myself playing a mediocre RPG. For a long, long time. And I think that's part of what's going on with Marvel Heroes, by the way. is I think Marvel Heroes has a lot of problems, but just the basic feel of the combat, the appropriate splashiness, um, whatever intangibles are going on there, that works for me.
2: And I don't think Van Helsing ever hooked me with its just basic feel of combat. No, um, no, I, I agree. The, that uh, moment-to-moment, I guess, combat um and you're right, I think it is kind of intangible. Um, it never really gels that that's a big part of the jank right there. it It just doesn't gel. There's a lot of systems going on in Van Helsing that that don't seem to work the way you would think they work. yeah, um, yeah. And,
1: and that's got be shame. and it's it, it's got to be really frustrating too to people who make action RPGs to hear us not really able to articulate why Diablo 3 works for us. But Van Helsing doesn't. But I feel that that's part of what comes from being a veteran action RPG developer. You know, the, the one of the Marvel Heroes guys is uh, uh, David Brevik, who goes way back to the original Diablo. I, I think that when you are a new developer trying to make an action RPG, and I'm pretty sure that would, would That's what was going on with Van Helsing. I forget who the developer was, but I don't think they had done other action RPGs. Um, But uh, that's just such a difficult thing to get right. And without experience, uh, the odds are kind of against you, like trying to nail those things that make a guy like me stick with what might otherwise be a mediocre action RPG. Um, All right. So uh, you're going to play a different character class through Van Helsing now, right? <laughs> no, I'm it's just your gonna play Van Helsing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, McMaster, did you did you dink around with Van Helsing at all? Negative. Did you at least see the Hugh
0: Jackman movie? Um, I think I saw half of it. Ha ha. <laughs> what? Did you see it? No. Why would I see that? It's bad CG. Because you see all sorts of crap.
1: You know what? That is kind of. You're right. I, I have no room to basically
0: get on the <laughs> yeah, the moral high
1: ground. About yeah. You know, I feel bad, McMaster. I'll watch it tonight. Yeah, you should. (laughs)
0: Watch at least half of it. Tell me what you think.
1: Okay. Which half did you watch? The first or second half? Because I'll watch the other half. The middle. Okay, so (laughs)
0: I'll watch the first quarter and the final quarter. Okay.
1: (laughs) Between the two of us, we'll have completed that darn movie.
0: Link them together.
1: All right. McMaster, what do you have for your game of the week? Uh, Let me guess. Can I I get two guesses uh, about what your game of the week is? Yes. Okay, my first guess, League of Legends.
0: That first time. No, uh, actually, my game of the week is neither of your guesses this week. Well, wait—you don't know—you don't know what my second guess is. You ready for All right. my second guess? What's your second guess? World of Warcraft. Man, I did I get it? This. No, no, no. Unfortunately <sighs> for you, you didn't. Or fortunately for you, I guess. <laughs> actually, though, uh, I could talk about League of Legends for quite some time. Uh, as soon as we finish the podcast, I'll—I'll I'll record
1: everything you have to say, and we'll. A- a- Append that to the ending of the podcast. It'll be like extra material, a bonus. So don't go anywhere, McMaster. You stick around once we're done recording, okay? Yeah, that sounds
0: great. Okay. Um, (laughs) My game of the week this week is Saints Row 4. Hey! You didn't like that game. I changed
1: my mind. No, it's not that you didn't like I think you were just early on with it, and you basically said it wasn't really working for you. Uh, and so you've stuck with it, and now it maybe is working for you. Or wh- what happened? What's going on with Saints Row Four?
0: I got superpowers. Uh-huh. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> and that'll do her. <laughs> uh, no, and I've been playing. Since. I mean, it, it's a. I don't know. It has such a weird beginning. Like I love the first mission. I love the whole Armageddon reference. That's hilarious. Um, I love uh, you know. I love their sense of humor. I love unlocking the presidency. But, uh, it just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of didn't grab me at first. And then, uh, once you, uh, discover what the overall thing is that's going on and, uh, start getting more into the game, it's, it, you, you can certainly see the, uh, the kind of the genius behind it.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, McMaster, uh, let's you and I play some uh, co-op later today, okay?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, alright. Yeah, the one time, the one time, You don't purchase a 360 game, and I (laughs) don't purchase the PC version. Uh, How are you finding it on the 360? Uh, Crappy, actually. Oh, really? (laughs) There are performance issues. Yes, there are quite a few performance issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's real... uh, It it lags out really bad for like a few seconds at a time whenever it saves or loads. Um, And uh, it'll freeze up. I thought my Xbox was screwed up or something. I think. It well, that's a still a possibility. Game. I don't want you to discount that possibility. Yeah, just I keep thinking that as well. <laughs> which is the curse of owning an Xbox. But, uh, uh,
1: so uh, you've been playing on the 360. Have you fiddled with the co-op at all? No, I have not yet. All right. Well, when you, uh, if you ever decide that you're re- willing to play the real version. Uh, I was really, I because I played Saints Row 3 on the 360, and I think I mostly just didn't know what I was missing, so I was pretty happy with the performance. But playing Saints Row 4 on a PC, I'm, I'm really glad I'm doing that instead. Uh, partly too, but faster, because I'm I'm kind of using it. I, we had Brandon Kakashki Schnell on the show last week, and we talked a lot about Saints Row 4. And right now, the way I'm using it is because I played it once before it came out for the review, and since then, I've been doing another playthrough, Uh, and I'm really doing it as a kind of comfort food action game where I just jump in and play it for 15, 20 minutes and then jump out. And I'm finding that much more viable on my PC where I'm doing work or whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to finish a Kinsey mission or something. And I just go over and do that, load it up, play it in and out quickly. Um, and yeah, with no performance, like I just feel like the performance issues, just not having that, not having any of the lower res textures. Uh, I've been real happy with it on on the, the PC. Um,
0: Yeah, I'm going to build a new gaming PC, I think, when I do. I'll probably grab it on there.
1: Right. Um, All right, and uh, McMaster, uh, we talked when uh, Brandon and I were on the show about what our characters were. Why don't you tell us, uh, what is the Jason McMaster Saints Row 4 avatar? Spell it out for us. Paint us a picture.
0: Horrifying. (laughs) Um, Which is what I always go for. Uh, This one's not quite as horrifying as my Saints Row 2 guy. Um, But... um, Imagine like you remember the Native American dude from Predator. I do, yes. Yeah. Imagine him with a white face, like a mime face, Ooh. And, uh, <laughs> and and wearing a uh, Uncle Sam sleeveless Uncle Sam. Like ah, McMaster kind of got
1: thing. the McMaster got the little uh, pre-order DLC bonus. I did. What do you think oh. of that, that gun, the America? What do you think of that gun? Actually,
0: I actually haven't used it yet.
1: Yeah, it's overrated. It just it basically may be appropriate for uh, American military might. It just spews out a bunch of junk, like there's rockets and a flamethrower and bullets. You can't even see what you're shooting at. You just equip it, and it's just like, just all over. But instead of making that, that sound I just made, it plays, I
0: think, like the 1812 Overture or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, uh, I flew around in the jet um, a bit, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's more fun to me just to run and jump through the city, though, so I haven't been doing that much. It really is gratifying, isn't
1: it? I mean, I, yeah. I, you, I'll you find... So the way some of the, the missions are is that you get several tasks, and they're spread out all over the city, and in any other game, I would be like, oh, the waypoint is like 1,500 meters in that direction? Oh, who has the time to do that? And I'd just love just... Bouncing over there, I still like driving as well, but it's really gratifying to just just yeah. bounce over those fifteen meters. It, it reminds me of like the Hulk game that I think. Oh yeah, Crackdown, R- of course. And Crackdown, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's basically like saying, and I apologize for my language. Make your children leave the room, but it's basically like saying, "Fuck gravity." Hell yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> what I have to say about gravity. <laughs> Slipping the surly bonds. Here we go that's how much fuck gravity that thank you thank you mcmaster for an adaptation reference i for one that's, appreciated it
0: yeah that's no, that's one of my favorite lines ever i love that line
1: mcmaster you know what when we cosplay and nick is a is a ghostbuster in a brown suit and i am agent colson i would like you to cosplay uh chris cooper's character from adaptation
0: <laughs> i'll do that <laughs> that's you. the best cosplay ever
1: <laughs> all right so my game of the week is this isn't going to be so easy uh not going to do Diablo 3 because that's next week's podcast. Um, Can I have three games of the week? Here's what I'll do. Flick about it. Okay, here's where we go. Uh, Game of the week possibility number one is not my game of the week. It's called Outlast, and it's a little horror game that was just released. Um, What I like about it is it has this video cam conceit. There are no interface elements. There's no guns or anything. There's no combat. You're just walking around exploring this sanitarium, and if a monster comes after you, you have to hide in a locker and wait for it to go away and i I find that really tedious yeah i just i I don't think they've managed to get good gameplay out of this non-combat horror stuff yet uh frictional games came close with amnesia where you you can't look at things or you'll go crazy so you had to kind of cower and i'm really curious to see what they do with their next game called the machine for pigs um but i haven't played that yet so I, i feel outlast is doesn't quite have the game design chops yet uh, I don't find jump scares. I mean, they're effective, but that's really not what I want in my horror games. I'm I'm not a teenage kid anymore. I don't enjoy that. Please stop making things jump at me with a really loud noise. It's cheap and it makes me <laughs> it uh, makes me
0: wet my pants. No, they. <laughs> they, they <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, my, I loved your uh, I loved your uh, your wallet threat level this week because of the, uh, the review for that.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, and that's literally what I did. Luckily, there was no one else here at the house. Because oh, God, it Jesus. Was, yeah, but it was, there were two, there were two uh, different emotional responses. The first response, the, oh, God, was the thing jumping out at me. And then afterwards, it was after coming down from that, it was more of a reaction of, Jesus Christ. Like, it was really a, what did you just do? It was more exasperation. It was like shock and exasperation. Those are the two stages of dealing with the jump
0: scare. Um I think so, Shadow Cat probably has much, many, many more stages of dealing with your reaction to a jump scare. He normally can't be bothered, but yeah, it might disturb his sleep or something
1: one thing I do want to give them credit for in Outlast and I don't, I can't think of another game that has really done this. A really fashionable thing in, in horror movies is the found footage conceit where everything you see is through the camera and in most found, in most horror movies it's terrible but they play with that here by giving you a video camera and if you want to unlock like a relevant comment about something you see you have to look at it through the video camera and when you do that it raises a filter and it's kind of staticky and it looks like a found footage horror movie and visual that's a really nice touch. Um, however, they do this really annoying flashlight mechanic, where instead of having a flashlight, you turn on the the night vision. And I like that conceit because you can be looking at something scary, but it can't see you. It's not like when you're shining a bright flashlight on the zombies in Last of Us. Um, so here you turn on the night view, and you can see around, and it gives everything that green tint, and it looks creepy, and the way that people's eyes light up looks scary. Um, and that's familiar to all of us. But what they did in Outlast, they give it a battery life. So, ah. but you get to run around and look for batteries. Oh <laughs> yeah, so annoying. That's your inventory. I got to go in this door because I got to see if there's a battery in this office. So I got and I don't know if where I am, I haven't run out of batteries yet. But I'm keenly aware that my battery life is limited. I can see the number of batteries I'm carrying. I can see how much charge is left if I want to use night vision. Um, so they do some cool stuff with aesthetics, but I just don't think there's much gameplay there. Uh, my other non-game of the week, uh, man, Rome 2 is not working for me at all. I love Shogun 2, Creative Assemblies' uh, Feudal Japan, uh, Tactical RTS with a strategy game shell. I love their presentation there, but for whatever reason, Rome 2 is such a slog, Uh, And it's so familiar, I don't feel like there's any new interesting gameplay there, and the way that it's put together, the presentation is so bloated and turgid, Uh, everything in this game is just so slow to happen, except for the actual combat, which is really fast, Um, it feels like they really want you to have a super fast combat and have a bunch of dudes get killed. And then you're out of the combat. And then you're just waiting on the AI to take its turns, and you're waiting on a building to finish. And oh, here's this diplomacy frippery you've got to mess with. And I, I'm just not getting the appeal of it. Uh, there's no danger of me reviewing it anytime soon because I still need to spend more time with it. But, oh, man, this is just such a slog early on for me, Rome 2. Um, So here, in fact, will be my game of the week, this last one. This last one I'm really enjoying. Uh, I think we've talked about it a bit on the podcast. Uh, A fellow named Vic Davis has a company called Cryptic Comet. He has done a game called Armageddon Empires, which is a single-player strategy game about different factions fighting in the post-apocalyptic wasteland. Armageddon Empires is superlative. He also did a game called Solium Infernum, which is a multiplayer-focused kind of board game design about... Uh, the various denizens of Hell struggling for control of it. Then he did a streamlined, card-based cowboy fighting game where cowboy factions fight to control these adventure cards. Um, and that was called Six-Gun Saga. Uh, his most recent game is a roguelike about exploring a haunted house, and it's called Occult Chronicles. It had been in beta for a while, so anybody could play the beta versions of it. I think two weeks ago, maybe, uh, he released the final version of it. I've been playing some of that. Um, and it feels... One of the coolest things I can say about Vic's games is they all feel so different from each other. You can see certain elements in common, but Occult Chronicles is nothing like uh, Armageddon Empires or certainly nothing like Solium Infernum*. It has several similarities to Six-Gun Saga, but because it's a roguelike, it's very different. Uh, Instead of combat, instead of rolling dice to check for whether or not you can pick a lock or whether or not you lose sanity or get caught by a trap, there's a cool little streamlined card game. Uh, And at first, it might seem contrived, but as you figure out how it works and the different ways you can influence it, I love how laid back that card play is without feeling uh, non-interactive. It's a great combination of, of interactive and just lay back and sort of click cards and, uh, it's just very easy, very satisfying, very fast. Uh, it doesn't interfere with the flow of the roguelike much. Um, so that's my game of the week is Cult Chronicles. So have you guys tried that? I forget if we've talked about it. Yes, you and I talked about it. Have you, so have you seen the final? Cause I don't think uh, I don't think it's changed a lot since when we since we talked about its early version. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's not like you play a beta of something, and then you play the final, and it's like a whole new
2: game. Uh, so have you seen it since it's gone final? Uh, I have not seen it since it's gone final, but I have to check it out now, because I did like it a lot. If you remember, the piano room was killing me all the time.
1: Oh, the piano room, yep. yep. The piano room! I'm still having trouble with the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> the kitchen has been my nemesis lately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he did change, so there were. I, I didn't explore much of the different, I guess, character. There were several character builds, for lack of a better word. And actually, that's a fair way to put it. There several character builds that I didn't explore, and one of them was psychic powers. And I think Vic made a lot of changes to how psychic powers work. Uh, and that's one of the things that I'm playing with now. Um, so there you go. My, my game of the week uh, Occult Chronicles. Uh, I don't think any. Important games come out in the next few weeks, do they? It's kind of slow. There's nothing major coming out, is there? Uh, I mean, there's a, that whole Grand Theft Auto thing, but you know. Yeah, that's whatever. that's yeah, that's not a big deal. I don't think anyone cares about that. It's not on anyone's radar. A crazy uh, indie game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, those plucky little indies over at Rockstar are doing it again. We'll see. If that turns out uh, that's another one. By the way, where I'm so glad that I don't know anything about it. I haven't seen any trailers. I haven't watched any of their their, their promotional stuff. I haven't read any previews. Uh, I'm so thankfully, blissfully ignorant about whatever they're going to do with GTA you, Five.
0: You don't get a ton from the trailers, and those are really the only things I ever watch about games. I try not to read. much about a game i'm looking forward to but i'll watch a trailer just because i like trailers
1: well and i actually was talking to their pr guy and, and explaining that to him and saying you know i really know nothing about what you guys are doing uh and that's the way i'd like it to be and he even said something i that i found really intriguing along the lines of uh yeah i think a lot of people who think they know what we're doing this time don't know what we're doing like it made me think that there's some weird twist or something that's not in the preview hype for the game that nobody really knows about yet uh and, and when someone drops a little crumb like that in front of me there's nothing that makes me want to play a game more than hearing something like that um so i'm really silent. i mean
0: i certainly want to play it of course um, you're you going to get it for your pc no no <laughs> probably get it on the old
1: xbox <laughs> yeah rockstar doesn't do pcs i guess so no not
0: anymore <laughs> Not not immediately Yeah, exactly, maybe
1: a year or two down the road Uh, Right All right. so uh, next week Join us for a little discussion of action RPGs Specifically uh, Diablo 2 The console version Just came out I've been having a very nice time with that Despite some hitches here and there We'll be talking some about that As well as action RPGs uh, at large and, And some of our favorites What makes them work, what doesn't make them work Uh, So join us for that next week. Also, uh, I hinted at it on the movie podcast, but hopefully by the time you hear this, whether you listen through, if you're listening directly on the forum, you're hopefully looking at a quarter to three that doesn't look anything like what you've seen before. So uh, if that's not the case, keep checking back. We are on the verge of finally having this redesign that I couldn't be more proud of. Uh, So I hope as you're listening, you are admiring that. Because isn't it lovely? Uh, and uh, join us next week for our Diablo 3 talk. I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Jason N. McMaster and Nick Diamond. By the way, Jason N. McMaster, what does the N
0: stand for? Ne'er-do-well. My milkshake brings all the boys to the And
1: that's why. It's
0: better than yours, and it's better than yours. I could
1: teach you have you guys heard this new song this is really cool oh what is this wow ah, this is the new stuff that all the kids are into <laughs>